she came in and said, oh, you're still interested in moving around the corner? Because she'd just given notice on her lease. But yeah, we've signed all, signed all the papers now, so it's all completed. And so it's going to be more than twice the size of the current shop. It's, double, it's a big double-fronted shop, so one side of it is going to be cheese. The other side is going to be deli. So we're going to do more of more of the cheese and more of the non-cheese. So we're going to have you know, more space to do some of the things that people asked for that we can't do at the moment, like get a meat slicer in so we can do sliced salamis and meats and stuff. Do more stuff like olives and a bit more beer, a bit more wine, stuff like that. But there's also in the back, there's another room which is about the size of this one. So we can do events, tastings, um, and at Christmas that can be the prep central for all the pre-orders and stuff which currently get done in the garage or the cellar at home. So <laughs> rather than shuffle, shuffle stuff around, we just do it all in one place. Which Are you local to the place. shop as well? Though? Yeah, about a mile away, so oh, right. it's not too bad. Yeah. Quite easy then. Yeah. Was that just the first premise that came up or...? Um, the new one, yeah, or the current one. The, the, current, new, one. the current one, yeah. We've, I wasn't even planning on opening a shop at that point in time, but I was walking through Chapel Island with my kids and just saw the sign in the window saying shop to let and I looked and I thought, yeah, that'd be all right. So what was like your job before then? What were you doing? I was an IT director for a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just getting fed up of it. Yeah. I'd done, I mean, I've been in IT for 20 odd years and I've done 10 years in that job turned 40 and I was just having a bit of a reevaluate about everything really. I'd, I'd already started selling cheese at farmers markets because we joined, um, you know, the Homage de Fromage Cheese Club. Yeah. When I started going to that, I went to the first meeting of that, which was at Billy's just down the street, um, where we had about 10 people. And then when they were getting 100 odd people in their meetings, I was thinking, there's nowhere in Leeds to buy good cheese. So, is there a reason for that? Is it because you can't make any money out of it or is it just because no one's done it in and around the day job? And then when I saw the shop to let and did all the sums and thought, yeah, let's try it. And kind of decided to jump at it and saw an opportunity to do my IT job in a freelance nature. With a, not, with, not with the law firm I was working for, but with smaller law firms that didn't have an in-house IT function. So kind of, you know, IT director for hire kind of thing. Um, so I was doing that freelance as well as then doing the shop. And that balance has been sort of started about 90% IT, 10% cheese, and now it's about 95% cheese, 5% IT. <laughs> um, and the IT stuff will disappear in the next year or so, I think, completely. So it's, so it's becoming more and more self-sustainable now? Yeah, well, the shop moving Chapel Arlton is, is the thing that I hope will make it completely sustainable. Because I think we've come as far as we can in that current space. It's great at Christmas, the whole world knows we're there at Christmas. But this time of the year, it's quiet. Around the corner where there's a greengrocer, fish market, and the butchers, they're all on the main road, they're all really busy. So, by moving in next door to the greengrocers and having more space to do more stuff, that should be the thing that will make a difference. You know, and sort of doubling or doubling on more the turnover without having to increase the costs too much should mean that we get a little bit out yeah. of the end. Well, you can do more or less, you know, keep yeah. more or less the same amount of staff. That's right. Yeah. Maybe one more head when it gets yeah. busy. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, the rent's more, but the rest of the overheads are fairly static. So hopefully it will it'll pan out. It's a bit, you know, it's kind of a, it's a little bit sort of make or break in a way because we've got, we know it works, but is it going to just be all? I know what it'll be if we stay where we are, and it's not quite enough. It's kind of slightly different concept, although it's they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, you are at the minute. You, you walk in and you have 
a chat yeah. by the cheese and leave. Yeah. Eat cheese and leave. I don't know. But it's kind of going to be a little bit different now. It's actually stay and. Yeah, I and mean, one thing we want to do in the new space is have a little bit of space, room for people to sit and maybe have a bite to eat. Not to go down the full blown Friends of Ham sort of bar, deli type thing, but um, I was really taken with the deli we went to in, um, in Spain. It was in Malaga actually, and they just had at the back a couple of wine barrels with stools where you could just sit and they would just bring out on some wax paper, just a few slices of cheese and meat and a couple of glasses of sherry. And that was it. Really basic, but really good food. Yeah. To be able to do that would be great. Yeah, so they kind of, it's kind of a little bit separate concepts yeah. to what you know the space that we're in today. Yes. Yeah. I'm Paul Newbegin and welcome to the Pass Podcast. We're coming to the end of the first series, so I just wanted to say a few thank yous to the people that Without them, we wouldn't really be able to do a past podcast. There would be no past podcast series one. And even more exciting, we are coming back for series two. But I'll talk a little bit about that in a sec. So first of all, our wonderful series one sponsors, Great British Chefs. They've been absolutely amazing to work with. So friendly, so kind. And the thing is, is what you've got to realise, when you're starting these things out and when you're building them, it's so rare to have somebody who'll sponsor you and get behind you from nothing. And they really did. They completely bought into the concept. They completely got behind us. And, and they just made it work, especially with Josh on Great British Menu this year. They got so excited about that. And I think that's something that we'll definitely explore going forwards between the guys and myself to have something maybe while the Great British Menu's on that we can have some of the contestants I've obviously been talking to some people that have been involved with it to be a part of Series 2 so watch this space but thank you for Great British Chefs and listen guys if you haven't subscribed to their website already just go on greatbritishchefs.com subscribe to their mailing list and at the end of the day the worst that can happen is it makes me look good and it makes you look good because you look like a lovely person and I'll give you a big kiss when I see you person i wanted to thank was adam now he's somebody that a lot of you won't know but he's from a company called bespoken podcasting and he's been editing and mastering my podcast for me now i work full time i work nine to five at the moment and quite frankly i just i don't have any background in editing i've got no background in mastering i've never really worked even garage band before and adam has been absolutely incredible so if you're somebody who's interested in maybe making a podcast yourself or you need sound advice audio advice i would definitely 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 recommend adam and the other person is my good friend craig from ambient light now actually his day job is photographer and filmographer and it's something that we're talking about maybe getting some video or photo content in the past so first and foremost keep your eyes out for that but secondly he's actually been also available for me to help out the pre editing the pre-recording advising me on what microphones to get what sound quality how to set this up that up the other thing he's just an absolute technical wizard so craig i have to thank you so 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 much and of course the guests every single guest went into this blind not really knowing what to do i've got a little simple document that i send them that describes the podcast so obviously we're going to talk about these five dishes we're going to ask you about you 
and, and each one have taken it completely in their stride. They've been amazing. So I just wanted to thank Andrew Pern. I wanted to thank Josh, James Alcock, Sean Rest, and uh, my guest, Matt Hunter, who was on the final traditional episode of Series 1, shall I say. And that brings me on to the unique content that we've added onto the past this year as well. So something that I wanted to do was I wanted to add a cheese course and a wine pairing to the menu. And what I've done is I've either asked the chefs for their favourite dishes or whether they've had a few dishes like the Matt Hunter example. I've chosen a dish that will go on to a menu of the first series and... I'm really, really happy to say that the wonderful Stephen Fleming from George and Joseph Cheesemonger in Leeds has come in to do us a cheese board for our menu of Series 1. It's just to give you a flavour of some of the cheeses that he holds in his shop and also to highlight what's going on in Yorkshire in terms of cheese production because actually I didn't know it's, it's a really bustling county. And lastly, we've got a really special episode with Vicky Roberts from Le Cochon. So obviously we met Josh in the episode two of this series and now his fiance Vicky has come on to do us a wine pairing. Now, what this lady doesn't know about wine isn't worth knowing. And if you're a wine fan, I would definitely recommend to tune into this episode because she offers some real insight into flavour pairings, combinations, how to match wine. It's incredible. So those two episodes are going to be going out back to back from the Matt Hunter interview. So if you're listening to Matt Hunter right now, then they'll be in the next two weeks. Hi and welcome to the Past Podcast. This is the first ever extra cut or past clear down, as I'm going to try and call it. So it's a bit of a special episode where we get to kind of reflect back on the past series. And for this time, so the first time I did something that was outside the past, it was with my girlfriend. This time I've actually roped in an expert. <laughs> I've roped in um, Stephen Fleming. Welcome, mate. How are you Hi, doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very so good. So you're the brains behind the Leeds only specialist cheese monk of Jules and Joseph. Mm-hmm. You're based up in Chapwardton, which we've just been talking about, but you've recently moved here into Leeds City Centre as well. My notes here describe you as a cheese mega fan and Yorkshire cheese enthusiast. You're now onto, it seems, a winning formula behind a growing business. Thank you, yeah, it seemed to be um, <laughs> the case anyway, yes. So thanks for coming. This is a, a little bit more informal than most of my podcasts have been, but what I've asked you to do today is come up with three cheeses that are gonna go as a cheese board on my menu of series one. So if you're not familiar with the, with the format up until now, what I've done is I've asked chefs to come up with five dishes that reflect their career, that they like. It might have been things I've learned in cookery school or whatever. And I've made a menu of a selection of one of each episode, if that makes sense. And you're going to provide the cheese course. Okay. But what I want to know first of all is, what possessed you to go from cheese lover to cheese monger? Um, that's a, a good question. I think it's a it's a combination of factors, really. I've always always enjoyed cheese ever since I was little. I was fed cheese as a child. We had cheese for breakfast quite often, which was, I didn't realise was strange at all. As I grew up, realised that people thought that was a bit odd. Um, but I, I still don't find it strange at all. I've always had a bit of a hankering to have a, a deli or some kind of food shop or something, but I didn't do that. I had uh, a career in IT, I had a lifetime of doing what I was best at in school, onto university, and then a job for 20 odd years and got to a point where it wasn't really exciting or satisfying. I wanted to do something different. 
coincided with the, with the cheese club starting in Leeds, going from having a dozen members to over a hundred or so every month, and me standing there thinking, there's a lot of people that like cheese here and there isn't anywhere in Leeds to buy it. Um, so I started to sell at markets and fairs, did a stint at um, Leeds Indoor Market, Kirke Market, which was real eye-opening stuff because all human life is there and you, <laughs> you learned an awful lot of things about selling and, um, and what to expect of people. Um, but then about four years ago, I saw a shop up in Chapel Alton, where I live, and decided to take the plunge. I've been kind of a bit fortunate enough now that I've been getting to know yourself through mm. visits to the cheese shop. And I'm really struggling to imagine you in a market place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different environment, it really is. You know, I'm not, I'm not exactly the sort of boldest person in the room, I'm quite sort of shy and reserved. But you sort of realise in that environment you have to really push yourself forward. It's 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 strange. Far, farmers market's a bit a bit easier because it's a bit of a an easier sell. People have gone to buy stuff and, and they're interested in your products, but doing something like Kirkgate where you've got to almost drag people across who are walking past, it's not me at all. So yeah, it's good confidence builder, but also some things I found that people that you, you least expected to be the people that were going to want to buy what you had to sell are the ones that would be most interesting sometimes. So I learned not to judge a book by its cover. Um, what was that gap in time then between having this idea and then moving into where you are at the minute? It was just over a year. So I did about yeah, 15 months or so of doing markets and fairs at weekends in and around my day job. Um, and then when the shop came up, um, that was the point to sort of take the plunge and do it full time. Uh, the market, the Leeds market stood immediately beforehand was about sort of three days a week. So it was a gradual phase across yeah. really over the course of about a year. And why do you think it is though that there is, wasn't anything like that? And I mean, it kind of seems weird to me that nobody else has really either tried to take your crown either. Yeah, that's what surprised me. I mean, and you sort of you start thinking, well, there's a reason why no one's doing it. And the obvious reason is you think it's because you can't make a living out of it or there isn't any demand for it. There had been in a corn exchange when it was all Anthony's, there was a cheese cave down in the bottom oh, right. there. Okay. But I I don't know what anybody else thought, but the times I went there I wasn't so impressed. It was a lovely space, they had some beautiful trees in there, but it wasn't staffed by somebody who was that knowledgeable. They were they were running that and they were also responsible for the, the bakery next door and the cake bit after that. So it was yeah. the experience wasn't so great. I don't know. I mean it's and as to, you know, no one else has really come along, I, don't, I sort of expect that sooner or later somebody will, like every day I wake up, I think somebody's going to do it. But it seems at the moment there aren't that many cheese shops in the, in the country. I, I think there should be more, but, you know, there's one in Harrogate, there's a couple in York, there's the Courtyard Dairy up in Settle, of course, mm -hmm. um, but sort of regionally there's not that many. Um, it seems to me like something there. that's really growing. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Not just with cheese, I think, but with there's a massive interest in, in sort of small scale production of food and the whole sort of traceability and knowledge about where your food has come from, which um, has, has become very popular in recent years. Shopping seems to be going away from big supermarket shops where everyone goes to one place to get everything under one roof to people buying in three or four different places and going to specialist shops and then Chapel Alton have seen that because there's a fishmongers, a butchers, a greengrocers and us as a cheesemongers and it seems to be attracting more and more people. Every time another food shop opens um, we get more customers coming in for for everybody so it's, it seems to be a real big thing at the moment. It is a wonderful little area actually up there isn't it? It's great an area of Leeds like you mentioned, it's a lot of independent yeah. people. Is that 
quite a big factor then when you opened up. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I mean the main factor, factor was I, I lived nearby and, and that was always <laughs> something. I'd like to say it was more planned and calculated than that, but actually it was sort of a bit of a, bit of a whim and a bit of a random really. But, but no, in terms of, you know, I sort of know that area normally as well and it seemed to fit with the kind of people that live in, in that area and, and nearby. Um, and yeah, Chapel Arthur seemed to have that good mix of independent shops, but also independent food shops, whereas some of the other areas, like say around here, there's a lot of, a lot of independent businesses, but mostly bars and cafes and restaurants, so a slightly different vibe there. Um, so yeah, Chapel Arthur seemed to fit quite nicely and continues to, to do so. Part of the reason I've got into this is because I feel quite confident at like, speaking about food. Um, and obviously I'm a big foodie. You obviously, like I said, I've described you as this cheesemaker fan, <laughs> which I like. I'm going to use that throughout the interview if you don't mind. It's okay. <laughs> but obviously there's a different skill, isn't there, in loving cheese and knowing a little bit about it in your head. So I don't know, if you walk into your local supermarket or whatever, I'll go, right, that's a nice cheese. And then actually being able to sell it and run it as a yes. business. Yes. What were the sort of key things then that you've sort of learned over your time? I mean, there's a lot of knowledge to acquire. I think that's the thing. There's a lot. There's, there is a lot, but I think the fact if, if you're into it, you know, that acquiring that knowledge becomes easy because it stays in your mind because you're into it. So for me, learning about cheese was, in terms of different types of styles and flavors, was, was just easy because it's just a wonderful thing to do and to try things. The hard stuff has been more around, I suppose, the learning around running businesses and stuff like that, all the sort of the technical aspects. There's not much in the way of formal training you can take to become a cheesemonger. <laughs> or really a business or, owner. Or, or a business owner, no, that's right. You know, you can, you can, you can, I, I suddenly realised the other day, I looked back through some diaries and I was sort of seven or eight years ago, I was toying with doing an MBA for some reason. I have no idea why that was an idea. But, you, know, you could do something like that and then decide to, to set up a business, I don't know. But I think you sort of, the thing you learn is that everyone is kind of in the same boat. I've, I've met an awful lot of people in the food business now who had a similar background to me, a sort of career change, midlife, having, you know, had a good career, but it's not done it for them anymore. And to a degree that everyone's kind of making up with it as they go along. Uh, you look up, you know, you sort of see other people who have wow, this amazing business and you get, get to know them, you get chatting and you kind of realise that you're not the only one that's winging it from time to time. Or, or maybe it's just that everyone is, is, yeah. is as good as everybody else and there's, there's no, no real trick to us. But. Is it is it a little bit of a case as well as like, you're only as good as what you've got in? Very much so, yes. Yeah, I mean, one thing one thing I learned very quickly was, and um, this came from the market's experience, was you know, your shop has to be almost on Aladdin's cave or whatever it is that you're selling. It's got to be very obvious that it's there. So for my cheese shop, the, the cheese has to be sort of front and centre, uh, has to be there and has to be a, a good, you know, the quality of the selection, the display itself, it's got to look full and people have got to come in and kind of almost, when people come in and say, oh, there's too much choice, I think well, that's, that's brilliant, that's what we want in a way, because it'd be easy to just have one cheese and sit there and say, yeah, there you go, that's, that's today's. So, yeah, it's, it is important um, to have that real sort of display and the quality of it as well. I mean, we set ourselves apart from the supermarket offerings in terms of interest as much as anything else because there are most of the supermarket stuff isn't great let's face it there are one or two that i i think are quite nice and quite good but what i'm finding from customers is a lot of supermarkets are reducing their ranges a lot of the interesting cheeses people are coming in and saying oh we can't get hold of such and such because the supermarket they go to stop selling it 
Um, it's still available, we can get it, and so you know, we're winning on that point of view. But it's, it's the unusual factor. People love, love the stories as well that go with the cheeses, the it's background, the product stories and things. Does it help as well that in a lot of these high-end restaurants, there will be some sort of cheese course? And it's kind of likely that you're not going to be able to buy the cheese that they're producing from your local. Yeah, I think that, that that's certainly the case. Although I have to say, I think I mean, I think a lot of restaurants have got a long way to go in terms of cheese courses. The number of times I've had a really nice dinner somewhere and it gone to the cheese course and it's been so disappointing because they're just wheeling out something fairly obvious that you probably could pick up in a supermarket and it's not been prepared or presented particularly well. Uh, it tends to come straight out of a fridge. Sometimes the portions are laughable. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just my group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one, one meal. One, Jesus. One, one, year, yeah, one year a few years ago, where there was a large group of us, and I was the only one that ordered the cheese course. And when it came out, there were literally three sort of matchstick-sized pieces of cheese, and everyone else was just in fits of laughter. And I was so, <laughs> we were so flabbergasted, we didn't even complain about it. But it was a, it was a, having had a really good main course, don't you know, it was, it was a nice meal, you know, good portion size, good quantities, but this cheese course was just was an afterthought. Um, so obviously one of the things you what, what you've done to me today is is make a, a cheese board essentially for yeah. my menu. Yes. What are the secrets then of you behind a good cheese board or, or a good cheese pairing? A good cheese board I think needs to reflect sort of a cross section of flavours and styles and textures. So you don't want to have too many of the same kind of things. And it does it sort of makes me you know makes me smile. The customer's always right, but I get customers who come into the shop and they're saying, we're doing a bit of a cheese board and I make some suggestions and they'll end up going out with, you know, some Winsledale, some Cheshire and some Lancashire and the three cheeses and I think, well, yeah, you've got three different flavours there, but they're essentially the same style. So there's not that much interest there. So for me, it's about sort of simple rules of going for different different styles. So it's different, you know, different milk types, different animals, cows, goats, sheep's milk, cheeses. Keeping it simple in terms of only maybe going for three or five cheeses. So if you're going for three, there's going to be something soft, something blue, and something hard textured. In terms of pairings, that's where you can get into enormous amounts of fun. Um, there's so much you can do with pairings, and people are increasingly finding that lots of things you can pair with cheese. And we've done in the past couple of years, we did a, a pairing night with a local coffee house in Chocolat, where we paired cheeses with coffees, and people thought that was going to be very weird. Um, but it wasn't, it was really good and lots of things, when we thought about it, made sense because you have you know, coffee, you have with dairy, you have milk or cream, so it's just that sort of dairy match but in a different form. And a few weeks ago we did a, with another cafe, we did a cheese and tea pairing night. <laughs> so you know, nothing's off limits really. Um, and there, there are some general rules you can apply around, you know, sort of it's sort of Sweet and salty things tend to go together, which is why you might have a nice a quarter of dessert wine with a, with a salty blue. Uh, but also, sort of the, the acidity of, of, say, an apple or something can cut through the, you know, the creaminess of a camembert or something like that. So you can you can pair up in those kind of ways as well, um, or, or similar tastes. So you've got like a nutty gruyere and some caramelised um, walnuts or something might go quite nicely with that because you're sort of getting ready now. Double hit of nutty gruyere. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some cheese that I've just bought from you. I might be wheeling it. I might not even make it <laughs> yeah. down to my elusive weekend. I think it'll be out of the bag in a minute. So we did like a cheese and wine, didn't we, a couple of nights ago that yeah. you, you, you held about. And even even with that, which is kind of like classic bedfellow cheese and wine, like, there were so many different styles of mm. wine. And I think people don't realise that, how, like you said, how much 
can actually yeah you know you right. can go with it. Do you have a favourite cheese? No. It's like asking me to choose which of my children are not allowed to have a favourite. But I genuinely don't. I mean, there are. As a child, we, we, we ate a lot of Cheshire, so I always have a bit of a soft spot for sort of crumbly cheeses like that. But no, it's hard. It's really hard to pick a favourite. It depends on it. But I eat so much cheese anyway. Um, <laughs> on a day day to day basis, depending on what sort of mood I'm in, or depending on what kind of thing I fancy. So. Um, yeah, it's really hard to pick a favourite. Does it, does it get to the situation then? Because I'm imagining this paradise where you've got I mean, dairy farmers and all that, or whoever's making these cheeses, sending you cheese and going, yeah. we try this and send it into the shop. Yeah, that's just that dreamland. Isn't yeah, it? it's, it, it's really, it's really nice, and everybody is very generous with their um, samples. Uh, <laughs> it's always helps. Yeah, which helps you know, sort of. Someone will phone up and say, "Would you mind if we send you some samples of whatever?" And you expect to get a, a small little, maybe you know, fifty gram piece, and then you, and a big hamper arrives with <laughs> dozens of pieces in. It's it's really nice. Um, the hard bit is, and for the most part, they'll, they'll be good, but occasionally you get some that not that they're bad, but they're maybe not so good that you want to include them in the range. Because so, what are you looking for there then? I'm looking for um, something that's there's something that's different that we've not had in before. So that, you know, there's always going to be a little gap in the counter somewhere. There'll be something that you know that we haven't got. Something that's maybe better than something we already have. I'm, I'm particularly interested in Yorkshire and British cheeses. So if there's um, a British version of a European cheese that's been produced, for instance, if it's if it's as good as or better, then we'll, we'll carry that in preference to it. Um, so we had there's a cheese um, I tried last spot I've been waiting to try it for about five months, <laughs> uh, which is called Bix from a dairy called Nettlebed Creamery who are down uh, down south, and they've done a, a triple cream cheese, a bit like a vignette or a shoals, and it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, but so that would be something we would carry, even though it's sort of tiny, sort of hundred gram, hundred fifty gram little baby like, size, yeah, little round, little baby bells, yeah. Nice. But you know that I could see us maybe you know dropping off one or two of the French triple creams that we have in favour of that. Nice. Um, so, you know, it's those kind of things. Yeah, and, all, and also, sometimes we sort of rotate some things just for a bit of interest. It's, it's always a difficult balance because there are some cheeses that we know our customers buy week in, week out, so we don't really yeah. drop them because... Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes it's nice to rest them for a little bit and, and put in something similar but different. Yeah. Just to keep them, keep them interested because a lot of people do want to say, well, what's new this week? Or, you know, what, what haven't I had? So it just keeps things interesting. And I mean, I, I read something last year, I think the last count, there were something like 700 different British cheeses now, uh, which is supposedly more than there are French cheeses. But if you think there's also all the French ones and the Italian ones and the Spanish ones and everybody else, there's an awful lot of cheese to go at. Which is ideal for you. Yeah, it's ideal, although occasionally you get, you know, you get the customer who comes and says, well, I was in France last week and I was in this little village and there was a farmer's market and this guy at the back of his car, he was selling these lovely little round goat's cheeses and I can't remember what they were called, but do you know what I mean? And can you get them for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done that to you. I've asked you yeah. to get in a particular cheese. Well, if you know the cheese and it's a, it's a more widely available one, that's fine, but you know, it's the people sort of forgetting some of these are you know so small yeah, scale, yeah, you know, yeah. anywhere else, but so, well, some yeah. bloke out in the back of his house or something, yeah. Like that, but equally, which people, can happen. people who come in and ask if you can get sort of things like um low fat cheese or 
That's the official that's line that's of the last yes. podcast. He smiles sweetly and wants uh, <laughs> them to leave. It's got them to the door. Yes. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just quickly run through the menu of Series 1. So this has been the menu that my guests of this series have put together. Okay. The first course was from Episode 2, which was Josh Overington, and he chose his egg hot and cold from restaurants in Paris that he cooked in Sydney. The second one was Andrew Pern's pan-fried foie gras, which he talked about in his cookbook and his time at the Star at Harem. I talked to Sean Rest about his smoked beetroot dish. Matt Hunter had a traditional Lancashire hot pot, and James Alcock spoke about his mum's Sunday lunch. Now, it's not really something, I think by the end, you'd probably be pretty full after a hot pot and a Sunday lunch. So you might not have room for cheese, but I wondered if this was, in some way, a menu in a, in a restaurant, what free cheeses you could have possibly recommend <laughs> 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 to be really like Mr. Yeah. Creosote at the well, end. There's always, there's always room for cheese, I think that's the thing. Well, I do claim uh, that. Yeah, it's, it's funny that. There's always room for dessert as well. Pilled, cheese and dessert. Both. Both, sure. yeah. Um, so I wasn't so worried about the fact that there's a fairly <laughs> wide-ranging, hefty menu in there. So I, I sort of thought about you know, three cheeses that I would have really enjoyed over the last like, the time that I've been involved with cheese, and that I just you know, I mean, they've got they've got nice stories behind them, but they're just really good cheeses. I think and good good examples of what we what we sell and the kind of thing that's available now. That's not supermarket stuff. So kick us off then. So the first one then, the soft cheese I've gone for, is a, a soft cheese, not cheese, called St James, which is made over in Cartmel uh, in Cumbria. And it's a, it's a fantastic cheese for, for many reasons. One, it's a, it's a washed rind cheese, so it's been washed in brine, which is it's an unusual, it's a very common French style, but more unusual in this country. Um, and the reason it's called St James is that Martin Gottlieb makes it named after a guy called James Aldridge who was a sort of pioneer of British cheese making, uh, and particularly of that kind of washed rind style. So it's, it's a great sort of unusual variety. I mean, I, I had to push myself on soft cheeses when I first started because I was always into harder cheeses. So the counter in the shop was very biased <laughs> to, to hard cheeses and they were the brie stuck in the corner. And I realised I had to develop that section. And this is one of the cheeses that I, I came across and realised that I actually did like it. It's one I bought from your shop, actually. Yeah. The rind's a little bit bacony, is that right? It's very bacony, yeah. yeah. And in fact, um, the, the, the chefs here at Hammond Friends, they were doing some experiments here last week, and it's got some rind from St. James and caramelised it, and it just tastes like bacon bits. Oh, wow. It would be an amazing, it's great just to munch it. It would make an amazing sort of garnish on a salad or something like that. If that really comes delicious. on the menu here, you have to let me know, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful cheese, and it's it's unusual in that it's square in shape, which again, sort of visually, I, I think it's quite eye-catching. It's only it's, it's a seasonal one because they don't make it all year round because they're very you know very aware of what they're doing with the animals they get them off from. They don't want to stress them, so we can only really get it from about sort of March, April through to October, November time, and it changes through the year. So at the start of the year, the rind's very sticky. It's very very soft and fairly mild. Towards the end of the season, more firmer textured, rind is harder, it's got deeper flavours, it's more savoury, it's better all round. Right, okay. The only frustration is, as it gets to Christmas, you can't get it uh, because it's gone, it's yes. finished, and 
Yeah, that's a real shame. But I understand, you know, that, that, that that's why it is. But I didn't realise there was such a thing as a seasonality in cheese. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it depends on um, on the sort of farming methods and, of course, the seasons around, you know, um, lambing cycles or yeah, of course. Like that the milk. When you think about it, it's pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah, it's, uh, you as you know, say, it's just something you take for granted. Yeah. Don't you? Again, as somebody who probably in the past would have gone into your local supermarket and bought it, as a you know, my beloved food has grown mm. and my beloved cheese has grown, you kind of think, well, hang on, I need this better quality. You do yeah. learn things, don't you? That's right. Yeah, and it's been yeah, it's been a massive learning process for me as well. I sort of do always knew there was good cheese out there. You don't realize <laughs> quite how some way. And also how how average the supermarket stuff yeah. is. Um, I so, can vouch for that as as a customer of yourselves. I can definitely vouch yeah. for that. It's, and that's something going back to the, you know why has no one else done it and the worry that it wasn't going to be worthwhile doing. People coming back and saying as you have, but there is I can tell the difference. Oh, 100%. They'd rather come and, and the other thing is because of the you know the depths of flavours that people don't need to buy quite as much. So yeah. People go, oh, this is more expensive than the supermarket, but actually, it's not. If you work out how much you buy, yeah. it's it's very much money. So. We should probably talk a little bit about where we are today. So, this is the place that's kind of been opened up in, in the town of Hartbleeds, that is a kind of combination between yourselves, Friends of Ham, and the Yorkshire Wine Trust. Right, yeah. So, how did this place come about? Um, well, I think it was the brainchild of uh, Claire and Kitcher, the owners of Friends of Ham, who I've known personally for about sort of four, almost as long as I've had my business going. We met, we actually met at the Hollis Trollage Cheese Club in Leeds when they, they were sort of beginning to open up their first bar on the Station Street. And similarly, I know Laura from the Yorkshire Wine School for roughly a similar amount of time. It was their, their idea to have this kind of space, and they sort of the name the Ham and Friends as you would say that, that us and the Yorkshire Wine School are the friends, yeah. um, as it were. Um, and then I think they had a feeling, and when they spoke to us about it, I was very much in tune with it, that there wasn't anywhere in Leeds to, to buy good quality delicatessen-style food, I suppose. So, you know, the, there's, there's been a couple of places that do little bits of deli and stuff, um, but no one's ever really tried it. And I think we all saw a bit of a gap in the market. Yeah, it is at its heart a deli. They've obviously just yeah. put, like you say, a kitchen in. Yes. But I think it's important for people to realise how incredible they've, you know, the, the work that they've done. It's just oh, so gosh, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a, the, the building um, has been transformed. I, mean, I, I saw this building about just before I opened in Chapel about four years ago when it was a, a previous venture called Handpicked Hall, which was not a million miles away. It's sort of a, a cooperative of small businesses doing not just food but also some crafty things as well uh, and that didn't really pan out I was going to get involved with that but then my ship came on so I didn't and that turned out to be a decision but having seen what this building was like and the potential of it and then we did a pop-up here just before Christmas before the building work really took off but the transformation between then and now it's it's stunning it's absolutely beautiful so building a cheese room not you've got in here yeah. and building a shop is, is obviously slightly different mm. So what were the things that you had to factor in this time around? Yeah, with, with the cheese room, I mean, it was it was nice to think about the space from scratch because, you know, if you're talking about a shop and you're looking at something that's already existing and you've really got to try and alter it to sort of work. But, but starting from nothing, we were able to sort of say, well, we want it to be a certain size, so 
you're going to try and control the climate in there, it doesn't want to be too large, otherwise it's going to get quite quite difficult. But we were able to put in um, humidity and air conditioning so we can keep the, the room cool, and that's the main thing, keep the temperature levels right, but also keep some humidity and some moisture in the air so that cheeses don't dry out. And I wanted to have something where things could be on display rather than tucked behind glass and in fridges. Yeah. And having that controlled environment gives you that. Yeah. So, and, and, and again, it's a bit of a learning process because, you know, having not done that before, we want to sort of see how, you know, we can play a bit with the, with the temperature and humidity settings and see if we can begin to start aging some of our own cheeses rather than just keeping them for, for immediate sale. Yeah, that's, that's been, it's been nice to sort of, and be able to sort of fit it out from scratch as well to yeah. design everything from this. It's a really captivating space. You know what you've done with it. It's yeah, really great. Going. I think it draws the eye. Mm. It's really, yeah. in a way, it's kind of good fun to be in there because, like you said the words earlier, Aladdin's cave, it is like you've got yeah. little bits and yeah, I think mean, it is fantastic. It's obviously something you'll be thinking about as well with, with the new shop. That's right, yes. Chef yes. So that will be slightly different because, like you say, you're going to have a bit more space to sit and eat and drink and whatnot. Yeah, food. yeah. I mean, we're sort of, every time, you sort of do the next step, I think you sort of look at what you've done and learn from it. And one thing I've realised is, yes, it's great having a, a chilled cheese room within a, a sort of a, an environment like this, within a sort of bigger sort of shopping environment, but I, I was originally going to yeah, air condition the whole shop in the, in the new place, and I've decided not to do that because I think people wouldn't want to sit around. Right <laughs> 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 you have to hand that hot water bottle to the and things. So you kind of, you know, you sort of yeah. modify your ideas and your thinking based on that. But yeah, certainly. Sort of so when will that, when will that process start then? Um, well, it's it's already underway. So it started and we'll be hopefully opening the new place within the next two months. Fantastic. So fairly soon. Oh great! Well, so by the time this goes out, I think people should be looking checking looking up yeah, on social media. Yes. So what, yeah. What's the best way for people to find out about all the news about that? Um, yeah, social media. I mean, our, our website, um, georgeandjoseph.co.uk, has got. There's a, there's a mailing list to sign up there, so we'll be obviously emailing people out about this. Also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, just search for us. And there's links from the website to those. And, and, and there'll be well. links within the podcast as well, Brilliant. obviously on my page. So if you follow the past, which obviously you probably do if you're listening to this, then I'll be linking out to Stephen as well. So do you want to talk to me about the second cheese that you've put on on your, uh, yeah, on so your cheese board? The second cheese we put on is a hard cheese, um, which is called Summerfield. Which is a, um, a sort of Gruyere-style cow's milk cheese, but it's made up near Whitby um, in a little place called Bottom Village, which is a um, beautiful little spot tucked away in the hills there. And it's actually it's a part of the, it's part of the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. It's a residential community for people with learning difficulties and special needs. Right. It's if you ever get a chance to go up there, it's blissfully calm and peaceful and quiet. Which I guess is, is an ideal sort of environment for, for for the residents there, and they've got work, they've got some working farm and lots of sort of craft things going on there. But one thing they have as part of that is a, um, a cheese making uh, facility, I suppose, onto the dairy. Um, and the head cheese maker there's a guy called Alistair Pearson. Um, he learned his cheese making mostly in sort of Austria and Germany, so he does a lot of those kind of styles of sort of alpine esque cheeses. I'd known, I mean, there was one that we sell also, it's called Dale and Cheddar, which is a really lovely 18 month age mature cheddar. When I found that, I thought it was great. You know, a Yorkshire mature cheddar is an unusual, unusual thing. But this cheese came along a couple of years later, and it's, um, as the name suggests, it, it's made with the milk from the summer months. 
So the summer field that we've got on the counter now was made sort of last July, August time, so it's matured for 10 months or so. And it's just fantastic. It's, you know, as I say, slightly gruyere-ish in style, so it's sort of nutty and, and buttery, firm texture. The rind on it's delicious as well. I always you know, tell people to make sure they eat the rind on these things. I just did, but they actually following your advice, I just put it in with a pasta dish, just mm-hmm. in with like a tomato sauce, yeah. and just let it flavour the sauce, and yeah. it was so tasty, so good. It just adds that nuttiness. Yes, a bit of depth. I'm pleased so far that both of the cheeses you've mentioned, I've tried. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to make out if that just means I've eaten most of the cheese you stole. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> we, need to, we need to do some kind of bingo card, I think, for customers. They've got every cheese we've had, and they get some kind of prize. Yeah, little, probably more cheese. Little loyalty card, yeah. that would be nice. I feel like I'd be, you have to, like a little passport, maybe. Yeah, that, that's All it. All the cheese like that. <laughs> you've tried. Is the relationship with the customers you know, the most important part of the business, or is it the relationship with the suppliers, or is it a balance? It's a balance of both, yeah. I mean, without the relationship with the suppliers, we wouldn't have the relationships we have with the customers. So the two sit hand in hand. But also, the customer relationship is such that it's, it's nice to be pushed by them sometimes. Um, at first, you know, when you first start to do something, and you don't feel like you're particularly expert in something. You're always worried that someone's going to come in and they're an expert. Some customers are a lot more knowledgeable than others, but actually I've gone from being a bit afraid of oh gosh, I'm going to get caught out to kind of relishing being pushed a bit by a customer. So, well, you know, come on, can you get hold of this or what about this sort of style? So, so it's actually, nice we, we, can, we can play this out a little bit because, like I mentioned, I, I approached you a little while ago and said, look, I'd like you to get that cheese in. And it wasn't one that you'd stocked in before. So, what are you thinking about in your head then when I'm doing that? Obviously, it depends, first of all, what the cheese is that you're asking for. If it's one of the ones that will, you'd be better getting in the supermarket, shall we say, then that's generally what I will, you know, I'll be honest with people. But if it's something that I sort of think, well, actually, yeah, that's one that would be different and it would possibly, you know, fit into the range, what we tend to do is, as was the case with that one, we'll sort of get, we'll get some in, put it out on sample, see what people think of it, and then it goes down well, then it can... You know, it can earn its place in the counter, I suppose. And has my cheese earned its yes, place? Yes. Come on! So that's it. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's like I said before about you sometimes rotating things around a bit and putting. Um, one of the things I've, that I've learned, which is good about cheese, is that people don't mind so much if you haven't got the absolute cheese that they're after. If you've got something similar, um, of a similar sort of style, then people are fairly open-minded and happy to try. Try an alternative. Some people are very, you know, single-minded. No, I must have that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they'll they won't you know, take anything else. But it's nice that there's there's always options around. I suppose the same thing about wines or beers. Right. Like, you know, if you like a particular style, a particular grape, whatever. There's room, room for manoeuvre within that. Soon as soon as you're my friend, you, you're gonna have this idea for free. This is the this is the next step for George and Joseph, okay. right? Cheese alerts. So I need to be alerted when yes. my cheese is in. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, I was asking, have you got my uh, cashew in yeah. Have you got Leeds Blue in again? Yeah. So that's what you can do, right? Well, cheese so, yeah. this is the This is the old IT background coming back into play. Come so, on, so, right? So, you can definitely yeah. think of it. Because I would be there. Yeah. I would work at the opposite end of town, but I would run up. I mean, we do, <laughs> I mean, you, as you, as a, I'm sure you know, because you've seen it before, when quite often with, so, with social media, we use it in that way that we'll, on Fridays, when we tend to get most of our deliveries in for a weekend, we'll take photographs of stuff. And I've had people 
see a photograph of a cheese on Facebook and come into the shop half an hour later, calling me all sorts. <laughs> they've seen that, they've had to come and buy some. <laughs> they felt compelled. So there is that, you know, sort yeah. of, yeah, the, the beginnings of an alerting process. Yeah, yeah I like um, it. I, I like that. Uh, what, I mean, what was one of the things that interested me is, um, before we come on to your last cheese, I wondered if there was such a thing as like cheese trends. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I suppose, I mean, if there's anything that I've sort of seen in terms of cheeses being made, I think there are more interesting cheeses being made. I think there's a trend towards people rediscovering old cheese recipes and, and trying something different, something new, which is fantastic. In terms of customer trends, it's tricky to say. Like a lot of, I think with a lot of foods and a lot of stuff in life, I think in, the, in recent years, there's trends to try and just do everything with everything. Um, so, you know, there used to only be one flavour of, I don't know, you know, sort of Kit Kat. And all of a sudden there's 10 different flavours of Kit Kats. And the same with all sorts of food, you know, sort of ciders with everything in and stuff like that. Um, so at the, one, at the one end of the market, there is sort of a trend for cheese with, with everything in it, which doesn't really appeal to me a great deal. But does for some people, and I think I think if there is a customer trend. I think they are looking for interesting and unusual things with their shopping generally. They like the stories that go with them. So if they're looking for things that aren't just mass produced, so I think that's probably the biggest customer trend that I've seen all the time I've been doing it. Is there an importance in the in the cheese that you've got in your shop that you have to like it? For me, yes. It's uh, when I, when I started out, and I think that's still true now that. If I don't really like it, I won't sell it because I can't persuade you to buy something that I don't like because I can't be sincere about it. And I think I'm not a very good liar, so it's quite hard for <laughs> me to push. It's quite hard for me to push something that I don't yeah. like. Um, and where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's the pleasure in that? I suppose. Yeah. Now maybe somebody might say, well, actually, probably business-wise, that's not great sense because you should just sell. Or you can make the most money selling it. People are demanding something you don't like, or just just do it. Suck it up and sell yeah. it. Um, you'll make money. But no, it's no, difficult. It's more, it's, more, it's more to it than that for me. So yeah, generally as a rule, I've got to like it or they're not going to make a place in the counter. And that's not just with the cheese, that's with everything. And maybe that means that some of the things that we sell, maybe there's a few gaps uh, because there's things that aren't my taste. But at the end of the day, I trust you. you know, I'm going to try. And I try and, you know, I try and push myself a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's important, isn't it, to keep a, keep a tab on yeah. new suppliers. And yeah, it's always changing. So it's... And like you said about one, I think, oh, I don't actually know your list, so I don't want to talk about what the next one is, but you were talking about the cheese tonight, you know, last week about this, the type of cheese that you were we were trying it wasn't traditionally produced in Yorkshire mm. and, and now it was so you have to be aware of right, well who's producing what yes now. yeah yeah and, 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 and at first when I started there was a lot of legwork in terms of right okay I'd set my stall out to just do Yorkshire cheeses so well, I've got to go and try and find them I know there's, there's Wednesday <laughs> some out there hello yes <laughs> so and it's a question of just kind of getting out there and going and talking to some people and then they introduce you to more people and they introduce you to other people and you go and see them and they say, oh, have you seen so-and-so down the road who's making this? And it kind of goes from there. Now, we're at the nice stage, as you mentioned before, that people send us stuff. Um, and people also tell us when there are new things coming along. So I kind of feel like we're kind of connected into that more yeah. now. So there's less chance of somebody doing something that we're not really going to be aware of if, it, if it's interesting anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's good. Fantastic. You want to tell us about this last cheese then? Yes, the last cheese then 
Yeah, it isn't the one that you uh, oh, okay. but it's actually one of the, it is another one that we had at the event you were at last week, which is also a cheese that's not traditionally made in Yorkshire, which uh-huh. is a, a Sardinian pecorino style of cheeses. Such a nice story about this. The guy, the guy that makes it, a guy called Mario Omiales, who's from Sardinia but lives in North Leeds. And I've known him for, again, about as long as I have my business going. And he started making pecorino style cheeses based on some old family recipes of his, of his from his father. And when I first got to know him, he was just doing these pretty much for home use and stuff like that. And he was selling them a little bit at farmers markets. Over the over the last few years, he's developed into more of a serious cheesemaker. He was originally making unpasteurized cheeses, but when it got to the point where he had to start getting everything approved by the food safety people uh, and you know, the environmental health and that, he he switched to pasteurized milk because the paperwork was just you know unbelievable. There was enough paperwork for pasteurized cheese, but for unpasteurized, it was just you know not worth. Right. He, he didn't worth the effort. Um, yeah. I think also when he, when he tried making a recipe with pasteurizing, like he found it, it tasted at least as good, if not better. So there was a slight shift into right, the recipe okay. as well. But I, I've, 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 it's been so interesting to be quite close to him on his journey with that because I've seen him go from, a, I suppose, a, you know, an amateur home cook type cheesemaker to somebody who has, knows a lot about the science of cheese now and is, you know, I would say a professional cheesemaker. And his cheeses have developed and improved over the, the time and the, and the Blue that I put onto the board, the Leeds blue that he makes, um, I think is a great example of that. And it's unlike any other blue cheese, certainly I've tried. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really good. It's, it's not overpowering and strong, it's quite soft textured, it hasn't got any of that metallic y sort of tang that you get with, with um, blue cheeses sometimes. Actually, the reason why I wanted you to get the cashew in was that to me when I tried it the first time it had that sort of mushroom mm. earthiness and I would actually argue that the Leeds blue is even more so yes. that real mushroom it's not yeah. that sort of, sometimes in blues you get that sort of almost like soapy quality yeah. and it's, yeah. I don't like that no. so it's just not to my taste but no, the Leeds no, blue is really yeah. different it's really it's a really lovely cheese and it's you know I, I can imagine if you're having at the end of a, a, big, <laughs> a big feast like the one that you set out just a bit of that it's just sort of you know sort of Gives you a big hug at the end of a meal. It's just a really nice cheese. And all of these cheeses then that you put on, they're available in your shop. They are indeed. And also one of the things you do is cheese subscriptions. That's right, yes. Yes. So people can receive some of these cheeses in the post. Yeah, we do a a monthly subscription service, which um, has proved to be, we've not been doing it very long, but it's been really popular and successful. So there's an option to get either three or five cheeses every month. And what about things like nights we did before, do you do um, like cheese nights yourself, akin to the homage and fromage or anything like that? Or? Yeah, we, we, we've done, I mean, we've been a bit limited in the past by the size of our, of our shop, yeah. which is yeah. very small indeed, but with the new premises we're moving to, there's going to be a dedicated tasting room in there for events, and also with Howl and Friends, Fantastic. we are sitting in one of their events yeah. now, there's plans to do regular monthly events. And again, these rooms are beautiful yeah. and perfect for what you want, That's and again, your shop will be I imagine an ideal space. That's right. So it's yeah, you know, it's a good way to get people together and to get. You know, I just want, to, I want more people to like cheese. So did you imagine it would get like this then when you started out as this IT manager and what have you? Could, could you ever picture this in your head? No, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of strange. Yeah, to sort of think about it's one of those sort of sliding doors type things. <laughs> you know, where, where do we get to? How do we get to here? 
so no, it's, and that's that's what's exciting about it. Is you know, it's it's still a bit of a not a voyage into the unknown, but it's it's exciting and different. And as I look at you know what I do now and the people I know, the people I've met, the things we've done, it's it's great. It's, it is it's been the right move because it's much more exhilarating and exciting and fun than my old career was Latin. That, that was the case at the start of it, but latterly it was just still becoming a bit, bit of a chore. But this is yeah, definitely. And there's just something something really rewarding about doing an event and giving people cheese to taste and just seeing the looks on their faces. Um, and they get excited about it. I don't know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but when we opened the shop, I had people coming in, they were jumping up and down, clapping their hands. And I just thought, you're a bit too excited. But, you know, that, that's kind of, if you, can, if you can generate that level of excitement. Do you know, do you know what it is, though? For me, it's because, again, you guys are just really nice guys, and you can tell that you're passionate and knowledgeable. And I, and I think that's, honestly, I think that's why it is. You know, it's difficult for me, obviously, now, because... I still am a customer, yeah. so I can I can say that honestly. No, that, know, that's really that's really you know that's really kind of to say. It's good to because that's that's what I try and do. And yeah. I, I just sort of stop and think about well, what kind of service would I like to get? Yeah. So I, and the number of times you go into a shop, not just a food shop, but you know any kind of store where you just think it's not hard to be nice and to be open and honest and friendly, but it seems to be difficult sometimes in other places. But you know, I just I always just try and think about what would I like if I were on the other side of the counter. So something I've asked everybody to do it. This episode again, as we've discussed, is a little bit different. So what I've asked my guests for this series to do is just quickly you don't have to obviously go through the different stories and the taste notes, but just name your your three cheeses, and if you can pick your favourite. At the, you can pick it off at the moment, <laughs> if you like, of those three. So would you just run me through the three cheeses? Yeah, so the first one was um, St. James, uh, the Wash Rhine Sheets one from Cumbria. The second was the Summerfield Gruyere style from the bottom in North Yorkshire. And the third was Leeds Blue from Leeds, in West Yorkshire, <laughs> the local cheese. And of the three, I would have to, I don't have to stay local and say the Leeds Blue is my favourite at the moment. It's hard to choose, it really is. Yeah, I'm trying to pick my three. Well, I'm trying to choose my favourite of the three. Yeah, I think I might agree with you, mm-hmm. only just because, again, it just really changed my mind on what Blue can do. And I guess, again, for me, to know that there's more to Blue out there rather than having to say to you all the time, oh, well, yeah. would you be able to get that in because I want to have my Blue fix? It's, it's definitely one I think people should come up into your shop and, and try it out. Absolutely. Because if you're thinking at home, I really don't like blue. I can honestly say I don't like blue, but I do like that cheese. Yes. So I think it's worth. And it is something we, we get. Blue is one of those things that people come in and they're like, no, don't like blue cheese, don't like blue cheese. And if I can get them to try that or, or, or something similar to that, then there's that realization because they've got this set idea about what it's going to be like. Some people can't get past it with blue cheese. And it's something to do with the with the mold and you know. Yeah, I just understand it. But, yeah, I, I kind of get it too. But it, it, there's, there's people are saying things like ghost cheeses. Some people just will not touch a ghost cheese. Um, I encourage you to. There are some where I'll actually say, someone buying for say their partner, they say, oh no, I can't get access to goat, and they're like goat. And I say, well, don't tell them it's ghost cheese. Yes, let me eat it. They'll love it. Tell them afterwards. So, <laughs> I don't officially I'm trying to be a, that. Trying to be a bit sort of you know, maverick. I'm a vegan, I'm a vegetarian. So, I just wanted to kind of thank you really. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up and thank all my guests first of all from this series. So I wanted to thank Josh 
Uh, and Andrew, Andrew was and Josh were the first two people that said yes and really got this ball rolling. On to the phone, Sean, who met up with me on his week off. Matt in his busy offices in the Star in New York, and James, who was sat in his in his kitchen. But I also want to thank you, Steve. Do you, do you prefer Steve or Stephen? I'm Stephen. Probably should have said that. Yeah, no, the beginning of yeah. it. So should I, Stephen? Should thank uh, should thank you, Stephen. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, on to our I'll put you out as Stephen. Uh, I just want you know talk a little bit about about your business. So I've like I say, been a customer for since I kind of moved up to Leeds, and I really encourage people to either come up and see this space up in Leeds because you most of it you, you know you can take home, and they do now have a kitchen in city centre it's really accessible here and really beautiful so if you're in town come and have a look ham and friends so your friends are family just by the station this is ham and friends which is up in the is it the what's it called grand arcade grand arcade thank you i'm not a leeds local (laughs) Uh, and then your shop so your new shop hopefully in the next couple of months but will you be staying open for as much as you can yes yeah the idea is to sort of We'll kit out the new place, we'll keep trading and, until there might be a day or two that we have to close to move stuff over. Right. Yeah, there'll be posters and signs and social media and flyers and all sorts telling everybody when we're opening. So, um, yes, hopefully everyone will know. So, on the first ever pass clear down, my guest, the cheese mega fan, <laughs> Stephen Fleming. Thanks, mate. You've been Thank a star. Series 2 bonus news. That's right. As I promised before this episode, I was going to give you a little bit of insight into Series 2. So we're going to be coming back, and we're coming back bigger, bolder, and better than ever. And this time, I venture outside of Yorkshire for the very first time. So, just to give you a little something to go on, my first guest for the past podcast, Series 2, will be none other than Stephen Smith from the Freemasons at Whizzle. Now I'm so, so, so excited that I'm going to be coming back with Steve. He's such a great guy and he offers a really great episode. And for the first time, we have a live food tasting on the pass. So tune in for that in September. The best way to do that is to subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already, please do it. It helps more people find me and it helps get the word out. And likewise, if I can really ask you a massive favour, just give us a little review. Even if you just put, this is nice, then it really helps cut through the fat on iTunes. Oh God, no pun intended there. I'm very sorry. But it does. It helps me stand out. (laughs) So I'm laughing at my own joke. (laughs) That's really bad. Oh God, you can see the fun I have. (laughs) but seriously if you can just leave a simple review and it will help me stand out i really thank everybody for their support i thank you for listening to series one i hope you enjoy the last few episodes that we've got and we'll be back in september with stephen smith and we've got some incredible incredible guests lined up um and actually the first leeds guest and i've just banged on about going outside of yorkshire but i live in leeds and i haven't actually had a leeds guest yet so we've got the first couple of guests from Leeds. We're going to go up north, even further up north. And I'm hoping we might even venture into the big smoke. So, yeah, if you know, and, and the other thing as well, sorry, I'll let you go now. If you're listening to this and you're in the catering industry, 
and you'd like to take part, just email me, Paul at the Past Podcast. Follow me at Paul Newb on Twitter if you're not already. And get in touch because I'm always looking for guests. And as you've seen from this series, you don't just have to be a head chef. You don't just have to own your own restaurant. You can be at whatever stage. You know, I'm interested to hear from absolutely everybody. So anyway, thank you. And thank you to everybody that's been involved in making the past podcast such a fantastic journey. I love you lots. Bye bye.